Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. It has been said between the coronavirus pandemic and the ever-growing movement of racial reconciliation that we are clearly living through a moment in history. And I don't know about you, but that scares me. The magnitude of this moment as I try to navigate it, not only as a Christ follower, but as my wife and I try to lead our kids through this and answer our daughter's big questions, it can be a lot. And that's why I'm so grateful that we don't have to navigate this moment in history alone. God has blessed us abundantly with a community around us of friends and family and church leaders who love our kids and who genuinely care about their discipleship. And while I pray that this is true for you, I recognize and fully acknowledge that that might not be your story. That's why I wanted to bring you this conversation between Brian Rhodes, Melanie Hester, and myself. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard from Brian and Melanie. They both work at Awana, but have spent their entire lives in this work of resilient child discipleship. They also happen to be a father and daughter. Even though this was recorded before everything changed, there's so much in here that is as practical today as it was back in February. Brian and Melanie walk through how you, the practitioner, can engage senior church leadership in this conversation around resilient child discipleship. We talk about how parents and children's ministry leaders can work together and how parents can begin this journey of meaningful, resilient child discipleship today in your own home. This conversation starts with Melanie describing a potential frustration that you, the local Kidman leader, might be feeling right now and what to do with all that emotion. Thank you for listening. Here is episode 43 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. Embrace the frustration. Okay, recognize that that, that is... It's, it's a display of your emotion and, and passion to serve the kids that God has called you to, to, to serve. And so having an emotional reaction that way, just, just continue, let that drive, um, the affirmation that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Um, and then ask yourself, begin to ask yourself some questions. The first can be the easiest of like, why, like, what does it look like for these parents in their home lives? Um, why might it be a struggle for them to make this connection that I feel like I have laid out for them a hundred times and it feels like they continually say no. Um, when, when we're able to posture ourselves in a place of, of listening and, and searching for information that may be present, you just can't really see it on the first couple of layers, then that puts us into the mindset of asking questions to dig underneath to what the root of these pieces are. And here's the hard part that isn't scripted. It's something that, um, is going to be in individual to the family and to their unique circumstances. And it's also going to be incredibly dependent upon the way that you exist with the Lord and asking him to say, to guide you and to lead you in what to say and, and to and interact with this family in really unique and graceful and yet, um, shepherding ways, because as as a, you are a shepherd, God has called you to shepherd these kids and families into his kingdom and, and you're a reflection of our shepherd. And so when you feel those moments of, of frustration, um, 
Um, you know, I get a team of people who can pray for you yeah. and text them, ask them to, you know, Hey guys, I need this moment. I need good clarity. I need better perspective. And right now, um, I, I don't have that. So pray for that space and then begin to ask good questions because, um, the, you're, you're not alone. Connect to a community. Uh, anyway, I could keep going, but, um, it's, it's exactly, it is exactly where the Lord wants you to be so that you can continue to rely on him and depend on what it looks like for him to intervene in these families' lives, not for you to fix them. That's so good. I think, cause I, what I love about that too, is that is true for the person who, who has a background similar to yours, right? Who has been in ministry, who has, who has done the things, who's gotten the degrees, like done the sort of, uh, the, the resume fillers thing where people yeah. go like, oh, that person's prepared for that conversation. But everything you just said is also true for the practitioner who is got pulled into that because the pastor saw them talking with a four-year-old and went, hey, do you want to be our volunteer kids, mm-hmm. you know, our kids mm-hmm. leader? Um, that it is it is about relationship. It is about first and foremost, what Jesus is up to in your life. That's mm-hmm. that was really good. I'm going to make you host this podcast pretty soon, Melanie. You better be careful. <laughs> um, That's great. <laughs> So the other uh, kind of potential source of tension that I would be super curious about and your guys' perspective on that I see in, for a local practitioner in particular, is how the work of children's ministry relates to the work of the rest of the church. Mm-hmm. And you've been in churches all around the world. Mm-hmm. The churches who get that right, the churches who get that balance right, just can you speak to what that looks like compared to what I imagine is a pretty source of anxiety of a a kid's ministry or a children's ministry person right now who's listening to this being like, I can't even get a meeting with my executive pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to start that one. Um, So I, I think, I I think probably the reason I'm most excited about this day in Awana is because that's exactly what we pray that the resilient book will, will um, uh, ignite in the church, uh, when the, the the fact is, it has to start at the top. Um, I I can, without exception, say any church I've ever been in that has a high priority of children, it st- it started and it continued to be true because from the very top there was a priority for those children, and you know it, that's just a reality. Now I've also been in a lot of churches where they had great children's ministry, and because there was a great group of practitioners on lower levels that were good at leading up and influential and they still made it work. So, so if you find yourself in one of those spots where you don't have that leader, that doesn't mean you, you have an out, you still have to make it happen. But, but, um, but the strongest, uh, the strongest impact on kids is most likely to happen when it, it starts at the very top of the organization through the church and comes down. Um, I, I, I think that um, I think that the resilient book. Um, when, about twelve years ago, we we had to make a big change in in our ministry internationally, um, and it was a really huge change because it was a change where we realized that most of the world we couldn't afford handbooks and uniforms and all those things that that we love to do here in the U.S. And when we made that change, we we instead uh, decided instead of Instead of trying to um, bring leaders together and train them like we did here in the U.S., we actually said we're just going to do a pastor conference, and we're going to explain the importance of children's ministry. And they're usually about a half a day. And the goal of that of that meeting, that half a day meeting, 
was that um, we would be able to help every pastor that came to see from God's perspective, from his view, from a biblical approach, how important are kids. And, uh, and, and we called it a 414 conference. That's exactly, we still call it that today. And, um, and what, what we began to see happening was almost every pastor that would go to one of those half-day conferences, by, toward the end of, of the time of the conference, they would ask the question, oh, my goodness, I, I should have been looking at this. Mm-hmm. And the next words out of their mouth are, what do I do now? And, and we began to see that so often that it was like, and we didn't, we weren't smart enough to create that. I mean, (laughs) it it was just happening. And, and, you know, what we realized what, what happened because of that is the, the pastors that came to those 414 conferences went back to the church with an amount of ownership for the importance of children's ministry that we had not ever seen prior to that in those churches. And and it's it's why I believe today we're we're in sixty two thousand plus churches around the world. When I'm talking about in that day, we were in twenty five hundred churches around the world. Oh, wow. that's the that's the the difference wow. in in the growth, and 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 so so this is this is when I think of the resilient book, I get excited because I have already put this book in the hands of a bunch of pastors, and I said, please read it, and I get text messages. And I get calls already. They said, I, I'm only through chapter four or five. What do I need to do? We're beginning. I, I think we're going to get asked the same question. And so I, I'm encouraged by that because because I, I think we have heroes out there. Um, they, they are hope heroes, as we called them these last couple of years. Um, and they are the practitioners that are doing the work. And, and, and I think sometimes... They, if they if if they could uh, the ones that have the joy of knowing that their top leadership in their structure in their church structure um, is with them and beside them and even engaging with them those are the ones I love to see the most um, they 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 just feel it they feel the vibrance of that and and I hope and I believe the resilient book is going to help more practitioners feel that yeah because it's going to bring their leadership into the importance of children's ministry. So what do you say to that pastor? When the pastor asks you, what do I do now? Like, what's the first thing for them to do? If somebody's, if a pastor is listening to this right now, who has discovered the book or is discovering this conversation and maybe they want to put it this way, but perhaps realizing ways that they've fallen short. Mm-hmm. Not that the book is condemning sure. all of the important. We've tried to make it not aside. that way, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, 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 how do you respond to that text? Well, first of all, I, I say, okay, great, finish the book. So <laughs> that's the first thing I do. <laughs> Make sure you get to the end of the book. That's smart, yeah. Um, and then, and and then, uh, honestly, what, what I want to do is like, well, hey, how about, for what I would love every pastor to do at that point would then take a couple of hours and go sit down with their children's pastor, yeah. their children's team, and, and, and just listen and just ask them questions, kind of like, and be a good listener like you are a good listener. <laughs> And, and, and just sit and listen to them and say, well, well, let me ask you some questions. Well, what is it really like? Uh, it, it will do more for that team to even hear the pastor getting down in and making time for them and asking them questions that are really important to them. Um, that it, it, that's the first thing is just encourage them. And then, and then I think, I think it's, I think then sit down and, and maybe go off site with the church staff, um, 
we have one uh, we have a great church uh, down in Florida that we've been doing this with, and they've gone they've gone out and they're actually sitting down and they're meeting together as a staff to say, okay, what does resilient disciples and children mean to us? Mm-hmm. What 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 does what does belong look like? What is our tribe? What what are we doing with the kids that are coming to Christ, and how do we begin to help them? And oftentimes, and, I, and I've seen it happening more and more, um, it increases the engagement with the family. Because because what Melanie was saying earlier when you asked the question about the practitioner, you know, that's just got some kids that are really a struggle, and it, it's just it's just hard. Um, you, you have to get down underneath. The family is still, parents are still the most influential um, piece of the equation. Yeah. And, and if the church staff can get down and really start asking parents questions and engage more with the parents, it will make, it will make a huge difference in how they see the three B's and how they walk that, that resilient child disciple strategy. But that's what I, that's what I think. I think it's about getting them to make their own strategy for resilient children. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, to, to begin to ask the question of, hey, I'm kind of shocked that I don't already know this, but how have we been discipling these kids? What does it look like for for you to lead on a Sunday morning? And and then to even ask the question of like, when was the last time you were ministered to? And and begin to unpack um, as, as the shepherd of that church, as the senior pastor, how do I shepherd this leader who is called to reach these children? And then how do I begin to take what they are doing and recognize that it is the beginning of what I'm going to do once they get into the area in which I serve? And so I, I would I would say to the leader who's out there who might be experiencing this space where it feels like, hey, we are so glad you're here. And as long as there's no really big issues, we're just going to let you keep doing your thing. And um, please just make sure they're safe, they're loved, and there's goldfish. Oh, and for the gluten and dairy free, we can do veggie straws, right? Like, like to that. Uh, leader, I love veggie straws. <laughs> to that leader, um, my my response to you is to remember that we have a way maker, because what you just heard is that you might not have even known that you have advocates who are literally fighting for you. We just talked about sometimes Awana. There's people in Awana who, who choose what hill they want to fight. You need to know that there are people who have chosen this hill to fight for you. And so stay strong. Like this will come a day where all of a sudden your senior pastor comes and it's like, I had no idea. And a whole new world will be opened. Um, but maybe not. Maybe that doesn't happen. But what God has called you to in this moment is to continue to stay strong, to love and serve him and to disciple the children, to become um, followers of, of, our, of our father, of the God of the universe who chose to redeem us. The parent is listening to this right now who is desperately desiring for their children to have a story like you've had. You know, you've done the thing, right? You've raised resilient kids who are raising resilient kids. What is something that they can do today mm. that is going to put the, that could put their child on a path of becoming um, a resilient disciple? Wow. Well, th- this sounds like almost too simple, but honestly, you 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 can't disciple others if you aren't a disciple yourself. Yeah. So really 
the first thing you got to do is find out, find some time in your crazy schedule to just be alone with God and, and just have your own personal time with God. And what, you know, he, he, he just wants to be in relationship with us. And so, so because everything else will come out of that. And, and if, if you can be in an active, somewhat consistent <laughs> time with God yourself, I, I find it's amazing to me that time is multiplied because something always comes out of that during the day that, that ends up ministering to my kids or to my grandkids. Um, and if I had not had that quiet time, I, I wouldn't be in that spot to do that. So I think first and foremost, you, you, you just, you have to really, um, know that the most important time of your day is to spend some small, whatever, whatever that is in your life, spend some time, um, alone with God, just one-on-one to put you in the place to where you can disciple others because then God, God's working in your life. I, I, I know it sounds simple, but I think that's, that's really important. It, it is. And you, in so many times in this conversation, you guys have pointed out like the first part of this, like the first part of this is all about Jesus. And then also the second part of this is all about kids. Right. And I think a lot of times kids curriculum or stuff that is made for kids in both the education space and the church space can kind of quickly get over kids or, mm-hmm. you know, be about the stuff rather right. than being about yeah. the kids. Right. Um, like how the, what's something that somebody that parent can do today? I love, I love reflecting on what dad just said, because I think I sit in the space where um, I think we're on the hundredth night where a child climbed into our bed in the middle of the night and, (laughs) and in the mornings it, it looked like there was very little time for me to sit in the word. And and yet I was able to snag, you know, 10 minutes on my audio Bible and well, it's not what I want. It's something right. So I totally resonate with, um, like choose to fight for that time because I know that that's something that is so critical right now to, to the stage of life that I'm in. Um, And, and it's 10 minutes of an audio Bible right now. I think too, it's the thing that people think, Oh, I have to have yeah. 30 minutes in a chair with some coffee and I have yeah. to have like one lamp on and soft music yeah. playing. And it's like, no, like right. right now it's 10 minutes of an audio Bible. You may get to the point where you right. can afford that. But right now you get 10 minutes of an audio I get Bible. 10 minutes of an audio Bible. And, and, but I've also been challenged by people to say, um, but make time for more. Mm. You need more than 10 minutes of an audio, of an audio Bible, but also, it doesn't have to look like this prescripted piece. And and there's a dear mentor of mine at the church in Carter that I served who introduced me to um, personal retreat days. And, and my life has never been, my spiritual life has never been the same since then. And what it looks like to just choose to mark off whatever rhythm you have time for at this moment, which is whether that's once a year or once a month to say, nope, I have two to six hours where I'm going off alone and I'm going to spend time in the word and I'm going to do things that refresh me. Um, but that's not even the thing that I was going to say. Um, for me, I, I sit in, um, don't answer if you don't know, like as a parent of a child today, don't answer if you don't know, don't, don't like what better way for us to ostracize our our children from ever coming to us with any sort of difficulty or question they have than to try and create up some, um, spiritual anecdote that doesn't necessarily communicate who we know our God is Mm -hmm. and what better way to help them see that God expects us to have questions 
than for us to say, I don't know, yeah, but I want to know. So maybe we can figure out what that looks like together because resiliency isn't void of pain. Mm. Like resiliency isn't birthed out of this idea that I, I've been able to live a life where, um, my parents were awesome and I had all these great experiences and the Lord blessed me and showed me favor through all of these educational and, and career opportunities. And therefore this is what it looks like to build resilient kids. Resiliency is built out of hard things that when we move into them, we just choose to take the next step forward and, and to say, this is my next best. Yes. And though I don't want to, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, and so in the moments where you can't pray, that's okay. Yeah. You just know that God's going to be with you when you take the next step. And he says, you can now, this is what it looks like for me to walk along this with you, because that's what it looks like to disciple our kids, to show them that God is walking alongside of us. Yeah. He's, he's not, I heard just the other day, like we sometimes tend to think of God as like, he opens the door, he shuts the door. And while figuratively I I can understand that, I want us to know that like God's next to me when I walk through that door. He's not just saying like, oh shoot, you picked the wrong door. (laughs) Like dude, this one was open. Um, he's saying, I am right here with you along the way. And that is what I am doing when I am raising a child. I am a picture of what it looks like for God to walk alongside of me. And I get to do that for my child, walk alongside these things with them. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week.